0: This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Teamkeeper, Sales Fuel's data driven program for improving team culture, communication, and retention. Learn more about Teamkeeper at teamkeeper.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. Thanks for being here and telling a friend about our podcast. We love when you share it. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Director of Communications for SalesFuel.
2: And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel.
1: Yeah, we love when people share this podcast, and they're really going to want to send this one around because with technology, the topic today, remote slash cloud employees.
2: Most of us have them, and they have to be managed a little bit differently than the folks just down the hall.
1: Well, and Dane Schuda is here. Hi, Dane. Thanks for coming.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: You are the perfect guy to talk about this and advise everybody on it. For those of you um, who are not familiar with Dane, he is the owner of Ghost Blog Writers. And what you founded this about eight years ago or so, right?
2: I love this idea. Yep.
1: Hiring yep. a couple of freelancers and it grew from there. And now Dane has sixty freelance writers that write blogs in the U.S. and a couple in the Canada, UK, and Australia. So, um, you know, it's, it's amazing with technology. I'm cloud for sales fuel. I'm actually in Denver and the mothership where Leah's sitting is in Columbus. So we're all kind of going with this new mode of working, right?
3: Yep. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, looking back, yeah, 2010 was about kind of when I started freelancing myself and and working with clients that were in other parts of the world the country and then working with uh, some other freelance writers and the technology even then was was kind of making it possible and now it's just even more just there's a lot you can do and there's really no boundaries as far as being able to who you can hire and who you can work with so yep
2: what are some of the special challenges that you run into that's different in managing a remote employee versus an employee that's in your office? A big one, I would say, is is
3: time. So uh, just kind of the nature of our business, we don't require employees to kind of be clocked in at a specific time. It's uh, it's more project based, but and there's not too many emergencies that come up. But uh, if If something does come up, you can't walk down the hall to their office and and talk to them immediately about it and and things like that. Another one would be, we do a lot of our communication via email and and some of the, obviously some of the communication from nonverbal and even (laughs) verbal gets obviously lost in email. So it can be, there's a learning process with how to write good emails, I think.
2: You guys use a lot of emoji. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I had, I,
3: my <laughs> wife has always made fun of me for my emoji use, but I'm a big fan of it. I think it gets across some of that stuff that is lost if you're the talking tone. About it. The yep. tone. Yes, exactly.
2: yeah.
1: It's like, oh, you're really mad at me. No, I wasn't. I was just saying what I said. You know.
2: Well, yeah. particularly if you're a, you're a, what, what we call in disc circles a high D, or if you're very direct. Right. Yes. And it's like, and you and you don't have a lot of time, and you don't suffer fools gladly. You know, you're just very. It's like somebody asks you a question, you don't say, "Oh, hi, Jamie, it's good to hear from you." It's like, "How, how have you been lately?" Oh, here's the answer to your question. But hey, I really look forward to getting. You. We don't do this. Like you ask me a question, here's the answer. Boom, I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. off to the next thing. And people yep. sometimes can take that to mean you're mad at them or you don't care yep. about them like that.
1: I'm going to start using more emojis in my emails now. You've inspired me, Dan. <laughs> um, so well, one of the things that you said um, in your pre-show questionnaire to us and uh, was that the biggest mistake managers can make in managing remote employees is assuming that everything's going well. So hmm. the house may be on fire and burning down, but you may not know it until it's like too late. How are you yep. managing that kind of thing, and what are your best practices?
3: I try to stay ahead of it, and and I kind of – I guess implement my own, so I have an account manager. She's kind of in charge of everything. And then, so with her, I try to check in every few days, ask a few questions about how are things going with this client, or if uh, I've not heard about something in a long, a long time being maybe a month or so, kind of ask about it, and just try to regularly ask about things that have been issues in the past, or just kind of try to pick up on warning signs because, yeah, in a remote setting with clients and with, with uh, employees or workers, it's, you don't always know until you just get the email that says, we're not going to be your client anymore, or in the worker's case, we're going to go somewhere else. It it just kind of happens if, and there's usually no warning. Like if, if, if you're in an office setting, you can kind of maybe tell if someone starts acting a little different. They they probably aren't going to tell you, but you can kind of see right. how they're acting. So um, so yeah, it's just trying to stay on top of it, looking for red flags, and and usually that and that's kind of asking questions about how things are going.
2: When you do that, do you do that by phone or do you by text or you do it by video?
3: So I still do it mostly by email. I'll just kind of send out a, a email with maybe two or three questions trying to ask when was the last time we heard from so-and-so or how have the last few conversations been and our uh, lindy our account manager will usually respond and if it's if it kind of is bringing about red flags then we might reach out to the client and ask for a call or um get in touch with the writer and see if we can kind of see if they're having any frustrations and see if we can get on top of it.
1: What are Are some of the red flags? You you keep saying that, but what are they?
3: Sure. So with the writer, it might be they start being late with posts or um, they have been kind of chatty via email and early goings. And now that's kind of tapering off. That might be a sign that they're Um, Maybe getting overworked, and another one of being overworked is uh, their emails get shorter and shorter, so kind of more direct. (laughs) So maybe maybe less emojis. They used to maybe use smileys at the end of sentences, and now they don't. It's it's kind of it's it's little things like that that Uh do kind of stick out. And it's it's kind of the same with clients too. If if things seem friendly in email, and now you uh, maybe we send them a post and they don't respond or they respond and just say thanks period instead of thanks exclamation point it's it's kind of things like that that usually could could are the red flags for something is is being frustrating
2: how do you manage to build a culture with all of your writers so that they all feel like it, that they're part of the ghost writer, or the ghost blog writer team, you know, and and here are our collective core values and things of that nature when they're so disparate and so so, so far flung out. Uh, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a challenge too. And I don't think, I don't
3: know that we where we would, we would ever have a culture like in an office setting where everyone's together. I just, I don't know if it's possible, but we do have, kind of a unique culture every month I send out a news email newsletter to all the writers and and kind of try to include some specific things that have gone well and just kind of give a general overview of what's going on with my life and and when we bring on new writers we always talk about our kind of our core values which is a big one is punctuality and always being on time and And so we try to bring in people that share the same core values and then Lindy, the account manager, she's really good. She is always communicating with the writers and and uh, sometimes writers are working on the same projects. She's really good with uh, the group emails and, and kind of making everyone feel welcome or introducing writers to each other on occasion. But I don't think it'll ever be the same as a culture in an office, but there's little things we try to do to make everyone feel part of something.
1: We use Microsoft Teams here. We used to use Slack, so we have like an instant chat and a Teams bulletin board. And for the remotes, I know um, it's created a much higher level of engagement um, mm-hmm. because we can see what everybody in the office in Columbus is talking about and then jump in and comment as well.
2: Yeah, and, and when we have uh, when we have meetings like all hands meetings and like that, uh, we would just bring people in through Zoom or go to meeting or something like that. Now we actually throw the video feed up there, so everyone that's remote can actually see the people here and. Uh, you know, and we try to see them. Sometimes it doesn't always. The technology doesn't always work, but uh, you know, we try to do that. So at least everybody can see everybody, even though we're not all in the same room. And uh, mm-hmm. so using the technology again to try to form some form of culture, then to make sure that the remotes feel like they're part of uh, the same team as everybody else.
3: Yep, I like that, especially the Slack one. We're we're on so many different time zones. It would be it's it's difficult to do like a video call, but um but yeah, I like the group emails or the group chats where you can see the history and stuff. Definitely, I, I like that idea.
1: Do you, because you're project-based um, and SalesFuel is like a normal company, which is 9 yeah, to 5 we are. Eastern <laughs> we are. time. Well, the, excluding the CEO. Uh, okay. Not normal. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but you know, it's office hours 9 to 5 and all that. We, I chose, I'm two hours behind Lee, so I work 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day because I felt like it was easier to just line up with the office hours and it wouldn't be confusing when people want to meet with me and stuff. Have you tried to do any alignment of that, or do you have any suggestions based on regular office versus project-based like you are? Yeah, I guess I wouldn't.
3: I don't have too much. So I used to work in an office setting and and worked at, at that company. It was kind of the seven seven to four, I think I work, or kind of the normal hours, but for us, yeah, with project base, we don't require too many meetings or, um, or I should say group meetings. Usually it's me getting on a call or Lindy in Australia, she's on the opposite schedule. So she can get on a call if someone is different, but um, we don't have a situation where, where, yeah, um, we have to get together too often. So I wouldn't have too many tips on as far as regular type business, and, is your team
2: mostly? Uh, are your is your team employees or are they independent contractors? Independent contractors. See that yep. changes the yep. dynamic quite a bit because you really yeah. can't tell them that they have to do
3: this. No, time. no. Yep, exactly. So it's yeah, that's why it's mostly well, it's almost it's entirely project based. So, so yeah, I can't tell them to be at a specific time unless it's uh, yeah, it's most of the things we can do by email if we're asking them to do something occasionally we'll get on a call with a client and then it's time-based but mostly yeah can't can't cross that line
1: what are you looking for in terms of hiring to vet somebody and like I said you know know that they're not uh, they look like they're online to you or they're answering emails but they're really not present and engaged at their desk but down the hall playing uh or something <laughs> dance yeah. party. Dance
2: party. <laughs> yep.
3: Yeah. I mean, and what do you look
1: for in people that are self-drivers, drivers on tasks and deliverables yep. and deadlines?
3: Yep. So we kind of put them through a test and the test begins when so in a case of a writer, when they first go to our website, we have like a we have a form that they fill out if they're interested in learning more. And how we evaluate them really begins at that form, how well they how well their answers are written. And we're being a writing company. We're kind of looking at their grammar and their ability right from that form. And then we usually respond within one business day and ask them a few questions and we kind of see how long it takes them to respond and what the response is like. And then we, uh, if we like them at that point and it's looking like a good fit, then we'll have them write a first kind of a sample trial post and give them a due date and we. We are purposely vague about the due date. We'll say it's due uh, Tuesday, August 14th, and we don't give a set time, and we'll just kind of see what time it comes in. Usually we'll know where they are, and a lot of them will deliver it early. Some will deliver it at noon. Some will deliver it at 11.59 p.m., and some will deliver it late and have an excuse. So we're kind of evaluating right from the start how – well they're able to do a project and and also their timeliness and and their ability to communicate via email which is which is important
2: so let me flip audrey's question then around a little bit what are some of the characteristics you've learned of someone that when you look at them or you evaluate them and say you know this person is just not going to cut it as a remote employee or a remote worker it would be it would be
3: someone that struggles with the email communication both in com- their ability to to kind of write sentences and convey what they're trying to say or ask questions. And then the timeline is a big one. Um just, just if they're able to respond and, and deliver the post and and so yeah, it's just kind of dissecting their email communication and and the timeliness of things. And and those are I would say are the two major red flags and and things do come up, but it seems like what, for some people there's always something coming up or an excuse for being late or something going on. That's always kind of a red flag. And I'm sure we miss out on some good workers by dismissing it, but um, it seems to be what whoever the person is when they first come to us is who they're going to be for forever. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The um, it, it's it, This might be counterintuitive, but this is a painting, painting with a bit of a broad brush. But do you find that the Generation Z and the millennials, because they're more technologically savvy and oriented, are better at this than older employees? Or in reverse, do you find that older employees are better on deadlines and tasks and deliverables, even though they're not so great at the technology because they're older and more mature? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to make generalities, but what are you finding? I'm kind of interested.
3: I would say I'm I'm thinking about the writers we have on the team and it's pretty varied. Mm There as far as age and situation. We have kids that are in college or just out of college that are just looking to make some extra money. We have stay at home parents that work in the midday when the kids are gone to make some extra money and and they might be in their 40s or even 50s and and, you know, if you just looked at at their emails and their work, you can notice a few little differences, like um, age-wise, I, I don't know exactly when it changed, but at a certain age, people stopped using uh, two spaces after each sentence, and and now we just use one. So there's little things like that, but overall, you can't really tell a difference. I think it, even though the generations are different, I think kind of punctuality and ability to communicate are, are kind of pretty broad through all the generations.
2: So I'm going to ask you a question that we're taught never to ask in sales because like <laughs> we should know the answer already, but for the benefit of, of listening audience and tell me about your business. What uh, what is ghost blog writers all about and what do you do and who you do it for? Sure. So I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So all my
3: life, I wanted to be in business, own a business, run a business. So I was always trying to come up with ideas, all of them bad. And then I was working for a great company, a footwear catalog company, and I was interested in online marketing. And I started a personal blog just writing about what I was doing at work and, and things like that. And then about a year into that, a small business owner that sold skincare products online asked if I wanted to write a weekly blog post for his business website. And so I started doing that on the side. And then I was on Twitter and I was following another small business CEO and he tweeted asking if anyone was knew any bloggers that could write for his business, so I reached out and finally, at that point, I realized, okay, maybe this is what business is when there's actual it's not an idea, it's just there's actual demand and From there, I started kind of formulating what the business could be, but it's still that basic principle there's Small businesses, medium businesses that have a website, want to have a blog, but don't have the time, or we find a lot of people don't like writing, but they want to have a blog. And so we step in, we learn about their business and especially who their target customer is. And we try to with the blogs, we try to answer the questions that the target customer is asking and searching for. And and we do it with just a regular one or two posts a week kind of for, for the ongoing and, and just kind of take over the blogging process from the business owner.
2: For some of my marketing geeks out there, I have to ask this question. Uh, what role does keywords play in deciding what you write about and how you write about it? So my relationship with keywords is is over time
3: as search engines have gotten smarter. Keywords are important, but we, we try to start – and google is they've kind of written about this is is google's trying to give people the answers that they're searching for and so i so we try to take the same approach with blogging we try to find the questions people are searching for and answer it with the blog post and from there the keywords kind of almost take care of themselves we do look at like keyword phrases that maybe we should use, but we always kind of start with the question and, and try to just provide the best answer. And, and that seemed to work, has worked best for us and also for, for our clients.
1: So you are on Twitter, you're Dane Shooter, just the name straightforward, yep, right? Yep. And then give us the website of the business and how you'd like people to reach out to you. If, uh, you yeah, to so. Get some referrals.
3: Yeah, the website is ghostblogwriters.com. Um, if you Google it, you should find it um, on Twitter and also LinkedIn is probably the one I use the most and, and connect with the most. Also just uh, Dane Shuda. I didn't have any trouble getting my uh, social media handles with my name.
1: So. <laughs> Wait, why don't we, we it. spell it for everyone? Because That might be a good wanna... idea.
3: Sure. It's D A Y N E Dane. And then the last name is Shuda, S-H-U-D-A.
1: Well, I, I have to tell people that before I wrap things up, that Dane was listening to the podcast and then reached out to me and said, I like your podcast and I'd like to be on it. And this is a great topic. And so I encourage all of you to do what Dane did. And we re, we really appreciate you reaching out and coming on the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. I, was, I definitely have been listening to the podcast episodes and, and it's been great. So I'm, I'm going to keep listening.
1: Oh great. Yeah, you climbed you literally almost like climbed into the television set, like I say. You were listening and yeah, now you're yeah. gonna be on. <laughs>
2: First time caller, long time listener kind of thing. Yeah,
1: you <laughs> well, like we tell everybody, please share this podcast and tell a friend. Dane, you please tell all your friends and clients. A subscribe, rate, and review. I don't know if you guys know this, but it really helps us out when you subscribe, rate, and review the show. Or you star it on Overcast because it puts us in the recommended um, category. So thank you in advance, everybody. Is that a good way of going at that? I, I think that as, works great. As opposed to commanding, please.
2: No, um, we're, we're making a request, a gentle request. <laughs> a gentle
1: request. If you have guest suggestions, manage smarter.com. There's a guest inquiry form on there that some of you may have found, and we would love for you to do that. Or you can do what Dane did just email me, Audrey. It's a strong like strong man at the circus. I don't know. Um, at <laughs> salesfuel.com. So thanks again, Dane and Lee. I'll see you next time. And we'll see everybody, all our listeners next time.
2: All right. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.